I think that's the important thing for everyone to hear. You can't stay cold and contained for perpetuity. You will break. It's just a matter of when. And I learned a lot and I've been able to coach very many people at this point, probably about 50 people through this because many of us went through the trauma of COVID. Some of us went through the trauma of the war. Many of us felt an experience, but never let out. And I learned tactics now on how to do it because when you're in it and you're someone who's very intellectually curious, you start trying everything to get out because you don't want to live in that dark place. So for me, it was making it okay to feel, to your point, it was making it okay to let the emotions overtake and release. And then now that they were out on the table, which was by far the hardest part, and that would be the main thing I would share with our listeners is you really need to get to a point where you do a mental health check on yourself. And sometimes you may need to see a professional to evoke and extract that from you. But doing that health check consistently, I'd say, you know, every week or even every day to say, how am I feeling? Where am I at? Manifesting that through journaling, through conversation, through therapy, and getting a really good inventory, just as you would a wellness check with a physical doctor, doing a wellness check on yourself emotionally and figuring out where you're at and how you're feeling about this is essential. Because once everything gets out on the table, then you could do something with it. It's like the iceberg that's under the surface. You can't tackle it if it's not up. Namaste, sweet souls. My name is Shilpa, and you're listening to the Omni Mindfulness Podcast. I am a mindset and meditation coach for professional women and mompreneurs. The purpose of the show is to offer stories and content that allows you to increase your awareness of your authentic self and be inspired by connecting to the personal and professional stories of other souls. Souls who are walking the walk and living everyday human experiences with inspired intentions. These are the stories that will expand your consciousness and spark within you to ask, what if? Each season, I offer content to help you create a holistic lifestyle that embodies spirituality, mindfulness, mindset, and energy awareness. Through my conversations with experts in their niche area and solo casts from yours truly, my intention is to help you holistically revitalize, reset, and relax your body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host and founder of Omni Mindfulness. So ask yourself, what if just one story could be the catalyst to shift the trajectory of my life? What if I become instrumental in serving other souls to realize their true self? And what if my soul's higher purpose is in the realization of omni-mindfulness joy? It's never too late to rewrite your story. And now, today's episode. Welcome back, sweet souls. This is your host, Shilpa. I wanted to share some exciting news about a little challenge I'm running as I'm trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the conversations that inspire those who value personal growth. And the best way to do that is to leave reviews. You can leave a review on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. So my request to you is to leave a review if you feel that you've received any value at all from these episodes of Omni Mindfulness. 
It would mean so much to me if you could write a little review regarding any episode that resonated with you. Please take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at omnimindfulness at gmail.com. In return, I will offer you my one-page guide to spark your meditation practice through Sankalpa. Sankalpa is a Sanskrit word for intention setting. Along with this, you'll receive a link to my guided meditation that will guide you through an intention setting meditation, positive affirmations, which you can practice daily. I guarantee that this gift will help you start a daily intention setting practice with a spark. It is my gift for you for being a listener, being a supporter, and of course, to enable you to manifest the best meditation practice. We are now in the season of reflections, which is my fourth podcast season, highlighting spirituality, mindfulness, energy awareness, and mindset. I am so excited to have my returning guest, Lena Haviland. Lena is a corporate executive, a mother, wife, daughter, and a Ukraine refugee. She is sharing her perspective on the recent war that broke out in Ukraine on February 24th, 2022. This week's episode is a social awareness episode on the history of oppression within Ukraine and a specific look at the emotional impact it has on the 20th century professional women. Lena has had quite the journey growing up, from fleeing from Zitomar, Russia as a young girl to now being this corporate executive that she's become. Lena's journey is a story of grit and resilience. At the tender age of two, during the heat of communism in Russia, Lena and her family lived in a closet in a one-bedroom apartment issued by the government. By the time she was three, Lena and her family were forced to escape her hometown of Zitomar because of poisonous gases. By the time she was seven, Lena fleed Russia with her parents and two set of elderly grandparents without a dollar to their name, no worldly possessions, escaping to the U.S. as refugees to pursue a better life. Lena is now a technology leader and a corporate executive director for Tech Systems. Through hard work, after 16 years of experience, Lena has gone from being a recruiter to now being an executive director of technology enablement. She is also a mother of two little ones and married to Wade, who works as an architect at Intuit. When Lena is not with her internal or external customers, she enjoys a myriad of non-work activities. She loves languages. She's fluent in Russian, Spanish, and English, an avid volunteer, cheer coach, Zumba instructor, and writer. Lena dedicates five to ten hours a week towards helping women with their personal and professional development and is committed to giving back to the community through volunteering and supporting organizations. In this particular podcast, she shares her perspective on the war in Ukraine and the psychological impact that can have on others, as well as bringing into the fold how to remain mindful and maintain a positive mindset during these challenging periods. And now, here's Lena. Lena, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Shilpa. Nice to be back together with you. It's always nice to see you in your beautiful face. Thank you. Well, Lena, I feel that you embody so many characteristics of someone who is resilient and with a positive mindset. 
you are a corporate executive, a mother, a wife, a daughter, and a Ukraine former refugee, correct? Yes. Now, what I understand is in light of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, just a year ago, wasn't it? Around beginning Fe of- February, February 24th at the start of this year. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't this year already. Okay. That um, the social awareness around this topic and around the history of oppression in Ukraine is something that I feel needs to be talked about from the perspective of trauma and helping future generations, um, I don't even want to use the word cope, become resilient. And you're living embodiment of someone who's lived this since her childhood. So I thought I'd have you share your background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I am a refugee, like you mentioned, from a small town called Jatomir. And I immigrated in 1992 with my family, which included my parents, two sets of grandparents and my grandmother's sister. And I've been in the US and San Diego specifically for the majority of my life. And I've had a plethora of different opportunities afforded to me through just the amazing country that this is and all the glory that comes with it. And my big uh, Ukrainian family is still ever present in San Diego. We were just together for Thanksgiving. We hosted 40 of us at, in our home, which, uh, yeah, it was very special. I remember looking around and thinking, goodness, what luxury it is to be able to afford to host everyone in my home to provide food and drink and entertainment and look at my grandparents and look at my parents and just say thank you because it truly is a privilege to be here versus, you know, the life we could have had. How do we remain? Absolutely. And the story itself, you've shared it in the past podcast, but perhaps you can give us a little anecdote of the, I think that emotional well-being that is challenged when you come to a new country with a culture shock. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think it was most challenging for my parents because they were adults and they had to figure out a way to be resilient and learn the language and enculturate into all that was America and the beauty and the splendor comes with a new culture and a new set of values and perspectives, et cetera. So for them, it was certainly a challenge for me. I joined uh, in third grade. That was the first grade I did in the U.S. after immigrating and didn't speak a lick of English when we came over, had incredible English second language tutors and teachers that helped me get the fundamentals and the basics that my parents worked for what was minimum wage at the time. 425 an hour and uh, did the best to keep us going. And they had the challenge because they had me as a child, but they also had their parents, which, you know, elderly folks, it's more challenging to enculturate and it's more challenging to assimilate into what is. And they had the burden of responsibility and the joy of making sure that we all found our way, had food, had shelter, had one car for nine people. And somehow found a way and were able to build a life here and be homeowners and business owners and establish themselves. And I think a lot of that comes down to mindset. It really does because there's uh, people that have been faced with a lot less and the way you interpret and the way you ingest what the world throws at you is what ends up manifesting and how, um, how strong you can be in the face of adversity comes down to that mindset prevailing. Mm. I I completely agree. My parents are immigrants as well. And I now see what 
transpired in their lifetime and recognize what might have been trauma. But at, at that time, the period, that headspace stuff wasn't really acknowledged or um, addressed, I would say. And in our generation, we have very fluid conversations around mindfulness. Maybe you could share how you've been able to use those techniques or tips or skills, I would say, during this last year, during the war. Yeah, you know what's interesting, and we talked about a little bit last time we were together, vulnerability wasn't something that was born into me. In fact, when you grow up in Russia, the culture is kind of cold, right? Just transparently speaking, and the people have been hardened. And I remember getting some lessons from my parents and part of the wisdom that was imparted on me is to remain guarded, right? And I think remaining guarded was advice given to me to protect me and to make sure I was okay and not exposed to things that would put me in danger or in a position that wouldn't be advantageous to my health. But I, I actually found myself needing to um, look at vulnerability head on and leveraging it to come out of the situation that was the war. So when, um, when the war hit, as I mentioned on February 24th, that week I had sat down with my grandfather and my grandmother, Grandpa Alex, Grandma Anna, incredible humans. And my grandpa is a um, prisoner of war survivor, was in the Holocaust. And we sat down and he goes, I said, Grandpa, is this real? Like, is Putin really going to do this? Like, th is this really going to happen? Because there was a lot of talk leading up to the war of, is this going to happen? Isn't this going to happen? And he goes, oh yeah, this guy's the next Hitler. I'm like, really? What makes you think that? And you know, he goes, just the behavior is similar, the things that he's talking about, the propaganda, all the things manifesting, like this guy is not a good guy and he's not going to stop at anything based on his ego in accomplishing what he feels is rightfully his. And he's going to use whatever agenda he has to get there. So I remember having that chat. And then on the 24th, um, I had my first session with a coach, a better up coach and my company, they're really kind. They provided the coach to me because I said, hey, I'd like to get some business consulting. I'm in a new work stream. I'd like to get some advice from some peripheral individuals. So I get into that session fully prepared to have a business dialogue. I built my business plan. I wanted to get some feedback and I wanted to get some perspective. And the gentleman who was my coach, he said, well, you know, nice to meet you. Let's have a conversation. How are you doing? And I said, well, great. I want to talk about these business objectives and I want to get to this. And he goes, well, Lena, um, I, I'm not here to be your business coach. I'm here to be your coach as it pertains to you, your health, your well-being. I said, okay, well, that's freaking great because I really wanted someone to look at my business plan. Then he proceeds to ask me how I'm doing. And I give my usual guarded answer, which is fine. I'm good. How are you? And pivot to someone else. All of us deploy these techniques, right? To try to engage someone else in conversation so you don't have to divulge anything about yourself a great strategy. So I go there and he uses my strategy back on me, this brilliant man. And he goes, I'm good. How are you really? And the strangest thing happened. I started crying like uncontrollable sobbing. And I think what triggered that is there was this lead in from COVID and all the people that were emotional centers for others, which I know Shilpa, you are, I tend to be for friends and family. There's only so much garbage a trash can can take before they overflow. And I had a lot of garbage in me from just trying to be the rock for other people. And then the war hit and I thought, oh, 
I, you know, I'm distanced from it. We have some family there, but not, you know, family that's immediate and in, you know, the close circle that's already here stateside. I'm okay. But I started, you know, again, exuding this extreme amount of emotion. He goes, do you want to continue? Do you not? I'm like, no, no, let's continue. I'm good. And he goes, I really think you should take some time off. Like you're clearly under some emotional duress here. And I'm like, no, I don't have emotional duress. I'm good. I'm there for other people. Don't tell me what to do, Ivan. I got this, right? And he goes, no, I, I really think you're you know, needing that. And I said, I can't. He goes, well, why not? I said, well, my, my boss, like he needs me to do some very specific things and I need to do a very specific job. And he relies on me and my team relies on me and I need to be there for them. And he goes, what if you told them you needed some time? And I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't. So through this ragamarole circles to spare you guys the cycles of our discussion, um, it came out that it, it's really not them precluding me from taking a break. It's me and my desire to be fine, for everything to be fine, for everything to be okay and to be there for others, because that's what I adopted in terms of my philosophy towards life. I'd much rather be there for others and have to address and do the deep work of what it meant to target yourself. So that set me into a very interesting period in time, which we can get into, but um, it, it kind of the war and all the events with it, it, it really broke me. And it was the dam coming fully unglued when it did start. That's definitely something I'm sure that others can resonate with. And sometimes knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable is part of the healing process. Yes. Especially when it's so evident. It's the a big T trauma, a war. Yes. And it's okay not to be okay. And I think to your point, in the US, we are okay with talking about mental health and we are okay with addressing these spiritual, emotional things within us. But just because we're okay at a cursory level, are we okay with getting deep? Do we make time for people to get deep with each other to expose and allow for those emotions and that growth and healing to happen? And the answer is no, it's a lot more challenging when we go deep and you have to have the right people to go there with. And to your point, we have to make it okay for the people around us to go to that depth versus I'm not okay, but I'll be okay. What are we having for lunch, right? Um, there's different levels of how you explore emotional well-being and how you dive into what can be if you actually let yourself. And I'll tell you what, the sequence of events, and I talked about this for the first time at a big meeting that we had inside of our company. In fact, I broke down again. That seemed to become a habit for me. And I talked about the fact that I went through some pretty significant depression. And that depression was triggered by those events in February. And uh, I lost a luster for life. I lost um, a passion and a zest. And when you're the person healing, you're the person building, you're the one bringing the energy to be devoid of that and to not have anything that I was looking forward to, the point where it got pretty severe and knowing that I was the only one that could fully pull myself out of it. Holy smokes. Well, that was some stuff. That was some stuff right there. And how did you feel that you were able to move through that? When given that you said that that first time trigger, you found yourself crying, 
emotions that are have energy that move through you is part of the healing stay stuck and manifest in the body through illness or other ways the fact that your body said it's okay to release it oh yeah and i'll forever be grateful to ian my uh my better up coach because he was the trigger that allowed the release and it was going to happen at some point in life i think that's the important thing for everyone to hear you can't stay cold and contained for perpetuity. You will break. It's just a matter of when. And I learned a lot. And I've been able to coach very many people at this point, probably about 50 people through this because many of us went through the trauma of COVID. Some of us went through the trauma of the war. Many of us felt an experience but never let out. And I've learned tactics now on how to do it. Because when you're in it and you're someone who's very intellectually curious, you start trying everything to get out because you don't want to live in that dark place. So for me, it was making it okay to feel, to your point, it was making it okay to let the emotions overtake and release. And then now that they were out on the table, which was by far the hardest part, and that would be the main thing I would share with our listeners is you really need to get to a point where you do a mental health check on yourself. And sometimes you may need to see a professional to evoke and extract that from you. But doing that health check consistently, I'd say, you know, every week or even every day to say, how am I feeling? Where am I at? Manifesting that through journaling, through conversation, through therapy, and getting a really good inventory, just as you would a wellness check with a physical doctor, doing a wellness check on yourself emotionally, and figuring out where you're at and how you're feeling about this is essential. Because once everything gets out on the table, then you could do something with it. It's like the iceberg that's under the surface. You can't tackle it if it's not up and emerging. And when did you first, when did you first realize that this state I'm in, this condition or whatever label we give it, depending on what who is perceiving it, that this may be depression? It was when I lost my joy for the typical things that I love to do. Because when that event happened, when the Better Up coaching session happened, I thought, well, that was freaking weird and not good. Let me just ignore it. Because it's so much easier, you guys, to ignore something. It, you don't have to deal with it. You can go on with your life. You can go have a hot dog. You can, you know, live the joys that you typically live. But I saw that it wasn't going away. And once it came up, it overshadowed everything. It started to permeate out into all the things. And I couldn't experience the same levels of joy that I would for the simple things in life. And I didn't have the propensity to help others rejuvenate themselves and come back to center like I normally did. And for the first time in my life, I had to put on my own life mask and say, okay, because I'm not experiencing the typical levels of joy, because I don't have the typical things in me to give to others, there is something wrong, glaringly wrong. And I think, again, for those trying to diagnose yourself, it, it is a change in behavior. It's a change in motivation. And then physically, things started to happen, too. I lost 20 pounds during that period of time. And that was a telling physical indicator. Now, it's nice to look good in my clothes. Don't get me wrong. But there's other more healthier ways to get there, gang, right? So it was, uh, it was definitely the physical components, but the lack of joy in and then the lack of ability to do the things I normally found joy in and love to do. Well, I'm so glad we're able to 
work through it because I can share for myself just coming out of COVID. And then if I were hit with, oh, now there's a war and your loved ones or possibly extended family is experiencing that trauma. Now, did, did you have family in Ukraine at that point? Yeah, so we have extended family. So on my grandmother's side, she has a woman whose children have become part of our life and they're lovely and they have a small child, a two-year-old. So when the war started, they were on their farm in Kiev, which we visited when I was six months pregnant with my daughter, who's now 10. We we're on their farm. We have a close connection. Um, they made their own moonshine, which I couldn't have because I was pregnant, grew their own fruit, and they, they lived right there. So when the bombs went on overhead, they were in the prime area. And they have a bomb shelter underneath their house. So I was messaging with them. Facebook, Instagram was our main means of communication based on a lot of things being unavailable. And they would take their two-year-old daughter, they would sleep with their clothes on, and they would run into their bomb shelter anytime any sign of action was taking place. And they did that for, goodness, the first like four months of the war. And we begged them. I had some good friends at work and uh, they said, hey, let's pull our miles together. Let's, you know, get them here. Um, we'll do whatever it takes to get them to be safe. And I offered that up to them and they said, nope, we can't leave our country. We can't leave our situation that we're in. We have to stay. We have to defend. They had weapons on premise. And they said, you know what? No, uh, this is our big brother attacking us. And however sad this is, we can't leave during this time. So no matter how much we pleaded, they did it. And now luckily they're in a safer area. They've left the Ukraine and they're in Russia. Interestingly enough, Russia's a lot safer right now because Ukraine is the primary place where war is taking place. So um, it's uh, it's good that they're out of there. But yeah, that there was a lot of stress uh, that I felt for them and also just for people who couldn't get out, the elderly, the young, who were in a situation financially or otherwise where they were trapped, you know, waiting at various border countries or trying to get into a better situation and couldn't, couldn't even make the move. Now, in the beginning of our conversation, I mentioned that one of my motivations, aside from having you share your resiliency and how you've done it, also bringing awareness to this social historical episode, I would say. And one thing that's interesting, I just heard you say is they went to Russia. See, I, I think a lot of us are naive. We wouldn't expect them to go to Russia. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you're trying to have self-preservation and salvation, and you're trying to stay alive in a harsh, harsh time. And when everything around you turns to rubble, I mean, the maternity ward I was born in, the second week of the war was completely destroyed, where my mom had held me up for my dad to see because men weren't allowed up in the actual vicinity where the birth took place. So, I mean, you have to remember there's the human instinct that takes over and you're right. We don't think about it. We don't think, okay, they went here or there. They're trying to survive and keep it together while this nonsensical flurry of events takes place. For what purpose? We know not. Now, are Russians where your relatives have gone, are they helping them or what's the condition for them? part. And um, I, I had some struggle with this too, and I'll share it. So a lot of people think Russians over here, Ukrainians over here, there's this very separatist mindset, good, bad, black, white. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. I called myself Russian for the majority of my life, because when I was born, I lived in the Soviet Union and I lived in the Ukraine specifically with my family. Uh, but I considered myself Russian. We were the Russian people. There wasn't that delineation. 
and there's good and bad people everywhere. And a lot of people empathize and feel for each other. And it's really sent things into a tizzy. For example, in San Diego, there's a restaurant, a wonderful restaurant called Pushkin. And it's a Russian restaurant. Well, who's working there? All Ukrainian people. It's just so blended. So I think the, the thing I would provoke people to think about um, is not to think in absolutes because there isn't this horrible herd of Russians and this you know, wonderful set of Ukrainians. We faced a lot of anti-Semitism in the Ukraine. And that's the reason we came over as refugees, as Ukrainian Jews, Russian Jews. We left because in the Ukraine, my dad, his school papers, they would write a very crass word for a Jewish person on top of his paper and give him poor marks and not accept him into programs and not give him the grades he deserved. My grandmother too, she applied to a high-tech university and similarly based on being a woman, based on being Jewish, wasn't allowed to participate. So we think, oh, the Ukrainian people, they're incredible. There's some crap stuff there too. So I think it's just an interesting flurry of emotions and why it's so challenging for many of us because it isn't an absolute situation. It's a horrible situation. And in bringing awareness to all of this is so essential it is so essential for anything even on a daily level if if you witness someone looking like they're going through something and passing a judgment versus going hey like you were saying it's not an absolute there there's intricacies the stories there so oh, yeah. yeah so perhaps you can share as a professional working woman having this breadth of experience yet having the ability to see it and know look I, I can become resilient I'm capable I have the tools what can you offer to women who are might, might be in the same space maybe not a war but something that is just as traumatic for them definitely I think I go back to what I talked about that I faced earlier this year it's acknowledging your emotions, regardless of what the trigger point in the event is, and making sure you bring those to the surface. That's one. And then two, take inventory of your resources. The people that you've been there for, they want to reciprocate. They want to be there for you. So look to the people that you can lean on to share. You don't have to tell the whole world where you are, but there are people who are willing, whether it's family, friends, et cetera, find your resources and start by opening up. The minute I did that and opened up, I got 10 stories back for every one story of similar feelings. And humans need likeness, humans need connection to feel like they're not alone. When I shared my piece, I got techniques, I got stories, I got an outpouring of support and love. And I got people who wanted to give everything they could to get me back to equilibrium. So I think bringing it to the surface, getting your resources, and then figuring out what help you need beyond the resources that you have. Do you need a therapist? Do you need someone else who's a professional to bolster your insights? And then the last one would be, what are you surrounding yourself with in terms of the influences that you're allowing into your life? Are you being selective on who you're bringing in? I was giving so much to everyone. Was I giving it to the right people? What's on my social media stream? Am I having positive things come in? I signed up for these positive texts that I could share later in the notes, but I signed up for them and I would get a text a day with a positive message and I would read that and that would force me into a positive state of mind.
Hey, sweet souls, if you are seeking to start 2023 strong, then you are in for a treat. In 2023, I'm collaborating with the financial planner and author of Awaken Your Wealth, Julie Murphy, to host a three-month online workshop aimed at professional working women or mompreneurs who seek to manifest financial freedom. Did you know that taking your manifestations to the next level is about integration of financial planning tools and mindfulness modalities that help you cultivate the skills to recognize what your current abundance mindset is and build your ability to receive. In three months, you can learn practical skills combined with powerful mindfulness tools to overcome your financial fears, eliminate anxiety, and take control of your financial life. Join us and learn to implement a practical plan to optimize your money and your life. Click on the link at the bottom of the show notes to get on the early sign-up list. Namaste. I had to journal. That was another thing that I let into my world and continued with just to evoke, again, first, the surface component to keep my emotions to the surface, to have a resource, to document, to review, to see my feelings not as ominous, nebulous things, but as tangible things I needed to conquer through. And then it was the habits and the repetition continuously to reconfigure how I approach life and taking control of it. I was letting all the things run me and it was saying, this is my life. I get one and I'm going to come out of it okay. And it's that persistent commitment to using your resources, leveraging the resources that you have, and then bring the things that you choose into your life that gets you out. And I kid you not, one day I did and one day you will too, you wake up and you're okay. And it's the weirdest thing, but all life is, is a series of micro deposits. And if you make them continuously, consecutively, and allow the people that you've given love to, to love on you, it it helps and you can come out. Wow, that's profound. And I can resonate, even though it may not be the same circumstances. I, it, it all is something that many of us can resonate with. And I've known you for long enough to know that you're always so cheerful that seeing you admit that this was dark and it was a tough thing makes me emotional. Yeah, it it was a tough time. But I think those that are seen as constantly positive and the lights for many, there's even more pressure to come out and share the truth because then it just shows you're not superhuman or none of us are superhuman. And we have to share that to help those that are in that difficult time know that it's okay and we could all come out of it together. Your story and your power and your voice will help so many women and so many men. (laughs) They're important as well. (laughs) But no, I, I really believe that not only from a daily to day life human experience, but also having known you from the professional world. There are people who are probably suffering because they're trying to hold up their family financially. No, absolutely. And when I shared some of my truth with my larger professional team, it was met with an outpouring of love. And it was met with people who have been struggling too, uh, pretty significantly, and they didn't feel comfortable divulging that they too were going through those times. So um, that made it worth it. It made it really worth it. And I encourage everyone who is going through this and 
who is debating opening up or not to do so um, when you're ready because it does help people. And if it helps just one person, it's worth it. Now, coming back full circle in terms of vulnerability and seeking the tools, having known you from the professional world, for those that are professionals listening to this podcast, how can they seek that type of support within the corporate environment so that it aligns with these specific type of needs? Yeah, I think um, there's good people everywhere. And there's also HR departments that are insulated and built to offer support. There's also programs that are insulated into most corporations that allow you to get help mentally. So I think just knowing your resources is important. And then if you're new in an environment and you don't have many connections, you don't feel comfortable opening up, that's okay too. There's those resources that could help direct you to the right places. I think a good place is always to start with your leader. They're paid to care about you. They're paid to govern the team that you're on. And I think it's always a good start to share at a minimum of maybe why you're not showing up in the usual way you would. And to say, hey, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not okay right now. I'm going to take my time. No help needed or yes, help needed. Say what you need and what you feel comfortable asking for. And then that in itself is enough to get you some air cover to show that maybe, hey, right now. I'm not the lean I want to be right now, but I'm a work in progress. I have something going on. And what I could use is your support. And what I could use is maybe some time off. And I think just being very vocal and vulnerable about that, at least with your direct leader, gives you the space and time to figure out what is and to figure out your next move, which may be all you need in the moment. And sometimes just having it on the table, getting it out is step one. And not only are there support a system set in place within corporations. But now I would say, particularly in the last 10 years, there's so many um, coaches even outside. Oh yeah, yeah, there's so many resources. And there's even, when I was in the throes of my um, journey, I I looked into a lot of different resources. There's even text therapists. And that was something that emerged out of COVID. A lot of people don't maybe feel comfortable using their voice and they feel comfortable using text. So depending what medium is most attractive to you based on how you're wired as the unique human that you are, there is now a lot of different avenues to get the support and the help that you need. So I think just simple Google search or, you know, some, some research into what makes sense for you is a good first step. And there is a lot of different ways you could find the help you need, regardless of how it manifests. That's, that's really great. Um, and Lena, one last thing before we wrap up. I have a little link here. I'll put in the show notes for humanitarian aid for Ukraine. Are there other ways we could provide any kind of awareness on how to help? I think um, the aid is good. The humanitarian aid is good. There's also just the community that is inside probably your areas today, because I think we're so focused on outreach inside of the Ukraine, which we should be, and that's necessary and important. A lot of the messages I get from family and friends who are still out there is focused around sharing the message of what's going on, keeping it top of mind, soliciting help and just emotional support for their community and bringing awareness because a lot of things are um, repositioned, reconfigured and propaganda based, right? So just keeping the truth, the truth. But then also aside from supporting that community, I would encourage you to support the community that's inside your hometowns, wherever you are, because there's pockets of both Ukrainian and Russian people 
And in Europe, all the people that have those communities that have immigrated on over, supporting the people next to you and spreading the love and just being there for others and not labeling people in absolutes. There are Russian people near you that are struggling. There are Ukrainian people near you that are struggling. There's all walks of life right now that are feeling all kinds of things. Start from a place of understanding and compassion when you come into contact with those people instead of labeling them into, oh, they're Russian, they're probably, you know, cousin of Putin and a terrible human, or they're Ukrainian, they have to be good. Start with a baseline level of human kindness and go from there. And that's probably the main ask I would give. Thank you so much, Lena. Lena, I would love to have you back next year to continue our conversations, particularly you're such a gem for so many, not just necessarily professional working women, but also I believe fellow uh, fellow humans. Thanks, Shilpa. I appreciate it. Love being on with you and love your mission and charter. It's making people better and it's making uh, people see a new perspective, which is always helpful. Thank you, Lena. I'm so honored and blessed to have you in my life. You too, Shilpa. Have a good uh, weekend. You too. Take care. Thanks again for tuning in. Check out the links in the description and please subscribe, follow, and share and continue to practice Omni Mindfulness.